is there anything too wonderful for God? And so I wonder, is it the desire of our hearts to be better listeners? Is it the desire of our hearts to be more gracious? And I think we have a God and we have a, the power of the Holy Spirit that can make interventions in us. I think, you know, we may not want a baby at, at you know, at 100 years old, the way that Sarai and, and Abram did, but we, we may want to give birth to a new depth of love and care. This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this is a conversation inspired by Bishop Wright's Four Faith weekly devotion sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe in the episode's description. How you feeling today, Bishop? I am doing well. The sun is shining. I mean, come on. Well, uh, you called this week's devotion old, and I hope you're not feeling it. <laughs> I am not feeling old. Well, thank God for that. So based off of Genesis 18, uh, verses 1 through 15, you're really talking about Abram uh, and Sarai uh, pre-babies. Yeah, on the way to babies, yeah. And they were old. So th- they were old. <laughs> yes, yes. And so how about that, Bishop? What about old? Yeah. It, it, yeah. Well, well, let's be, let's, let's, be, let's be artful here. I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want any nasty emails. So, so I'm, I, I usually write these devotions based on the word in the actual lesson. And so what the, the writer of Genesis is noticing is, is that Abram is old. And because Abram is old, um, uh, we ought to pay attention because God did an amazing thing in someone who is of advanced age. And so before there was Viagra or any fertility help, somehow the angel said to, to Abram and to Sarai that they would have a baby even in their advanced age. And apparently from the story, they had been dealing with infertility for many, many decades, and yet Abram loved Sarai, and she was his beloved, and they found a way to have a a life together. And then this thing happens. Then as they go along in their old age, uh, God does something new. And I love Sarah's question, you know, it's just, hey, how's this going to work, actually? It's not, it sort of echoes, uh, you know, Mary's question uh, in the New Testament, which is to say, I'm not, I'm a young girl. I've not known a man yet. Can you help me understand the biology of, uh, of all of that? And apparently in neither story that we get much biology, we just get that uh, nothing is too hard for God. And that's a word for us right now. Nothing is too hard for God. If these stories tell us anything, they tell us that God is not limited in the way that we are limited. We may see ourselves as limited by age or race or gender uh, or, uh, or orientation or, or location, social location, etc. But nothing is too hard for God. And so the baby comes and the baby is, is Isaac. Uh, and, uh, and so there's celebration in the story. But the point of this all is that God can do what God wants to do. And we are the stewards of that message. And we are more than that. We are the livers of that. We are trying to live that out, even though there are physical limitations and intellectual limitations and and other limitations. But uh, yeah, 
Yeah, because there's also so many gifts, right? Like, well, yeah, wisdom, lived experience, right. and all of those things, right? I, you know, I, it, this this devotion kind of struck a chord with me, to be honest, uh, because I live in an area where many people choose to retire. Yes, and so the median age is very skewed older, uh, and so I have to be very careful with how I speak understanding fully that I'm in my mid forties. And so I am not what I think most would consider old, unless you ask my kids, <laughs> right? You know, ageism in America is a real, it's a real challenge. And I'm, I'm just wondering, do you have any thoughts on that? Like any, any, anything to share with people from different demographics, different generations, different anything that could help us grapple with the fact that people in different generations often miss one another. Yeah, we do. We do. We, we miss one another. And it's almost like we're, we're speaking two different languages. We talk past each other. And I remember now as the elders were trying to give me advice, wisdom, and counsel, you know, it, it sounded like Mandarin Chinese to, to my non-Mandarin Chinese hearing and speaking self. And I, and I imagine as I talk to my adult children, you know, I mean, I'm the last year of the baby boomers, uh, 1964. And, you know, they've even got a phrase for us, which is t- a dismissive phrase, which is, okay, boomer. You know, in other words, you know, you're so out of touch. Um, you know, you know and, and so I don't know if I have any, any way forward other than to say that I think it's the real work. We've got to grow in our capacity to listen uh, to one another. Uh, I, think, I think that there's a lot of window dressing uh, and then I think there are matters uh, that are deep at the heart of things. And I think that sometimes uh, we can be perceived, those of us who are a little bit older, we can be perceived as hypercritical about some of the some of the superficial stuff, you know, the hair, the music, the tattoos, whatever it is, the piercings, whatever it is. I mean, you, you name it. When uh, I watch younger people deal with some older people and, uh, and some old, older people that I do know, they do have this, this gift. They do, they do possess this graciousness. And I find that young people actually listen to them. They can get beside them and, and they can, because they feel valued. Um, and, and, um, and I think maybe one of the things to remember when we're older as a general matter, and I guess I'm trying to do this uh, to varying degrees of success or failure, is to try to remember what it was like when you were trying to figure it all out, and uh, and and uh, and to 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 be kind in that regard, you know, uh, you know, to think about some of the foolish things that I thought and believed at 21, 22, 23, and now how I hold those things at you know fifty nine going to sixty. Um, I think it's the relational piece we want to we want to have a bandwidth to listen so that we can. Could, stay in relationship as difficult as it is. And it is very difficult, I would say. Um, but you know, what I, what I, you know, how I connect this to the story, um, of Abraham and Sarai and God doing a, an amazing thing in their old age, uh, is, is that in this wonderful line, you know, is there anything too wonderful for God? And so I wonder, is it the desire of our hearts to be better listeners? Is it the desire of our hearts to be more gracious? And, and I think we have a God and, and we have a, the power of the Holy Spirit that can make interventions in us. And so I, I think, you know, we may not want a baby at, at, you know, at 100 years old the way that Sarai and, and Abram did, but we, we may want to give birth 
to a new depth of love and care. Um, it, we, we may want to do that. And so, you know, this is a literal story, you know, but, but it also raises up for us, you know, an, an invitation to think a little bit more broadly, imaginatively. So what needs to be born in us as we get older? Uh, and you know, what's, what, what do you, I mean, you're a young lady, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm a, I'm an older guy and I, you know, things tighten up when you get older, you know, the muscles constrict, you know, you have to stretch and all that. And I think this is probably true for the heart, probably true also for the spirit. Maybe we need to do some stretching, but the, but the Genesis, uh, pardon the pun, since this is a lesson from the, from Genesis, but the Genesis, I think has to be to always be staying in touch with God. See, the, the thing about Sarah and Abraham is, is that they didn't make a lot of room for believing this could happen. God almost had to sort of crowbar them into belief here. And it, it's because they were so absolutely familiar with the limitations of age. And I, I think, you know, that's a big misstep for us in faith. We can end up telling God about our limitations more than we can say to God, God, I'm just sitting here in faith waiting to see what your intervention is going to be. You know, God knows, God understands limitations of biology. God designed it, right? <laughs> God doesn't need our vagrant thoughts about the limitations of biology or economics or whatever it is. I think what we can let be born in us is this, this wonderful line from Scripture. Is there anything too wonderful for the Lord? In other words, um, you know, God can do more wondrous things in me, uh, and that can actually outpace uh, the heartbreaks of life. I mean, this is really a case study. They had a heartbreak for decades. So I don't, we don't want to, we don't want to take this lightly or delegitimize that. And some of us are, who are listening right now have had heartbreaks for decades. And, and so it's no wonder that the angel had to sort of crowbar, you know, them open uh, to this notion that they will in fact have this new, new gift coming to them from God. And so, it, you know, it takes a lot of courage to believe over many years of disappointment. And, and, and sometimes that's where despair gets a hold of us. We say, well, I've been talking to God and, and, and where's, where's my Isaac? I got no Isaac. You were going to say something. It, well, it is. Uh, wasn't Sarah, like, what does Sarah mean? Something about laugh? Yeah. Laughter yes. or something. I forget yes. the exact thing. Yes. You know, I, I do. I have got a question, but I do think we've got to take a short break. <laughs> we'll be right back. Hi, listeners. Thank you for listening to Four People, a space of digital evangelism. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. And now back to Four People. Welcome back. So Bishop, I was I was asking about Sarah and um, the laughter that is connoted in her name. And I'm reminded too that how much joy people find when they're around younger, foolish, silly, and just, you know, just the awe that people feel when they see, you know, or hear a baby belly laugh. Yeah. And sometimes I lament for some older folks who sometimes discredit their own value or worth within a family system, which is a congregation. And some, some folks will, will, will either bow out or um, make themselves um, 
dead air, dead air. They'll disqualify themselves from from serving with children and youth and just say, you know, I don't know that I've got it in me or whatnot. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> and I mean, I, I, I we value. I, I guess every every age is valuable, right? And I think there's something to be said in the interconnectedness and the intergenerational aspect of what church can be if people really lean into it. Well, I think this is one of the great gifts of church when church is really working healthy, healthily, and that and that is is that it is a space for the generations to meet and to exchange to make an exchange. Uh, those of us who are older, the average age of an average member of the Episcopal Church is 66 years old, right? And so we can either say, well, this is just a group of old folks who get together and reminisce, or we can say, this is a group of people who have actually been trying to live this stuff for numerous decades, and they have some observations. When I, when I go to congregations and I do confirmation, which is welcoming people to a mature and public relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm always careful to rem- remind these young people, by and large young people, who come for confirmation uh, of one thing, and that is, is that um, you don't have to make it anything on your own. This is not a journey where we're launching you out to be you know, sort of on your own. This is a journey where we need your fresh eyes, your fresh ideas, your imagination. And, oh, by the way, we've also over here on this side of things been trying to do this stuff for a while. And so if we can meet in the middle and make an exchange, your fresh eyes and our seasoned eyes, we might actually have something together. So so that is one of the great gifts of, of church as a general matter, which is a space um, for the generations to meet. And to talk about God and to talk about who this God is and for that dynamic kind of sharing. Now, tragically, it doesn't happen nearly enough um, because I don't think uh, we understand that that is what, what the work is. Um, but, but you know, I wonder what programming would look like. I wonder what teaching would look like. I mean, I think in every congregation, young people should be preaching no fewer than four times a year. And that's probably not enough. Um, and I think that there are... Uh, uh, mature Christians uh, who are in our congregations, uh, who have it, who are advanced ages, and who have taken their faith very seriously, who probably need to address their peers in that congregation. I don't think that the preacher needs to do all the preaching. I think that the preacher can do some good work in being a convener, a convener of the God conversation in you know whatever the congregation's name is, Saint Joe's or Saint Mike's or whatever it is. I think that's much more creative because I think then you start to see what is timeless. One of the best exercises I ever did in a congregation when I was a a priest in a congregation was um, to put the generations together to talk about marriage. And so we had some brand new shiny marriages, you know, with, you know, sort of, uh, you know, more joy than sense, right? And then we had some other uh, marriages in the room, 40, 50, 60 years even. And to put those wives together with the young wives and to put the older husbands together with the younger husbands was one of the best things that I think I've ever done in support of marriage uh, as a priest. And they found their way down into the nooks and crannies of conversations of, of, about marriage that I, as a uh, you know spiritual leader in that congregation, probably could have never gotten to that depth with them. And so I do believe that there's a real, if, if we will offer ourselves and if, if those who are responsible for who goes to the microphone, if they will be a little bit more imaginative, then I think we can actually make congregation, the, the, the fact of congregating something much more dynamic. 
Um, you know, uh, Abram and Sarah are old. Uh, David is a teenage shepherd boy. Uh, Mary later on is a, is a teenage girl. I mean, all over the the Bible, there you know, there's you know, Ruth and Naomi. Uh, I mean, where where would Naomi? Where would Ruth be rather uh, if it were not without the wise counsel of a senior woman? Uh, and on and on and on, uh, we could go in. The, you know, where would Timothy be were it not for Paul and watching Paul's um, example and how he handled making his way around? You know, the then known world. So I, I think it is the work is to anybody who's listening. Uh, which young people are you blessing right now? All right. So my last question, I love your last line. You say this, let your later years of faith be greater than your former years. Let your faith be old as in mature, seasoned, persuaded, and abiding. Yeah. What does that look like? Well, it looks like what we're talking about. I mean, I, I think sometimes we feel like we've graduated. Like if we get to 60, 70, 80, we feel like, you know, I know I've got some sense of the Bible stories. And so now I'm in the post, you know, I'm in post-grad work here or I'm, you know, I'm, I've, I've got my <laughs> terminal. Retirement. Yeah, man. I've got my terminal degree. And, and I, I just don't know that that is the case. I mean, I, so I guess what I'm saying is if in fact you have faith, if in fact you have the genuine article, you know, you should know that, you know, you, you've got, you've been called, sent to do the work right up until the time you're called home uh, to God's, to God's heart. So, you know, that's what I'm saying. After all these decades of living with this God and loving this God and serving this God, how are you blessing the world? How are you blessing the community? I mean, I, I've seen people who have been infirmed in their body and yet they took up the ministry of letter writing. I've seen I've seen all kinds of people uh, figure out how to use the strength energy that they have for the good of the whole. And I just don't think anybody of anybody gets a pass. And so, you know, if you've had faith in your younger years, what does that look like now? It's not just book studies. I mean, sometimes in the Episcopal Church in particular, we can think that it's just a literary society. And don't get me wrong, I'm all for the educational piece and the fellowship piece that comes around, you know, a good book around faith, et cetera. But it has to also make a dent in the world. It has to also touch the world's need. Uh, and so, you know, my gosh, um, think about it this way. Uh, being old is not a liability. Actually, it's, it's, a great, it's a great gift, an asset. Think about all the days with God that you have had. And why just take all of that with you? Why not share that with somebody? Um, you know, uh, Sister Helen Prejean, uh, the, the nun who helped us understand that brothers and sisters on death row were also children of God. Um, you know, she started off this important ministry uh, well after 40 years old um, as a letter writing campaign. She felt like people behind bars at least uh, deserved uh, uh, a regular pen pal uh, who just wanted to connect with them because God, Jesus was very clear and said, if you don't visit the prisoners, you don't visit me. And, and that's how she started. So it can start off in really modest forms, but you can use all the gifts that you are for the benefit of somebody else. And if we've got lots of years behind us, then perhaps there's a great gift that you can give the world before you go home. Indeed. There are many people that I, when I grow up, I want to be like. And so. There you go. <laughs> me too, sister. 
Amen. Well, thank you, Bishop. And thank you for listening to Four People. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week.